0: This episode, we're discussing the 40th anniversary of Rock and Roll High School and the 20th anniversary of Detroit Rock City. Movies that are more similar than you think they are. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest this week is Mindy. How's it going, Mindy?
1: It's great. <laughs> no.
0: before, before we record, we're talking about stressful stuff. I said, let's have some fun. I guess she's having fun. Uh- <laughs> what? Um, so have you? So seen... I went to the gym. Yeah, you pumped. I
1: just went to the gym and I'm a little tired. That's all. Uh,
0: no, I got, <laughs> I got the same thing. I just came back from it. Um, uh, so for this, I, at first I was going to combine uh, Rock and Roll High School with its sequel, and then I remember the sequel was complete and absolute shit. I don't know if I sent you a clip of it or you got to watch any of it. It's hideous mess. Oh.
1: <clears throat> you sent it to me, and I and you told me a little bit about it, but I did. Uh... I did not watch it. I don't know if I, frankly, if I want to. Yeah. It's,
0: it's So the biggest thing they did wrong was have Corey Feldman signed on for cheap, and he only agrees if he could do his own music. So, yeah, that's problem number one.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So there his, you go. his foe,
0: Michael Jackson. You know, it's funny is Corey Haim and Feldman both signed on for Roger Corman, where he gave them huge paychecks and gave them basically, you know, let you do whatever you want. One worked, one didn't work. The other one was Watchers. But um, yeah, I just ignore that one. That was terrible. So I was thinking, you know, another movie where it was really centered around a very popular artist... And more about the fans of it than so much about the band. And I was just like, oh yeah. right, Detroit Rock mm-hmm. City. Now Detroit Rock City, it's not uh, as loved as Rock and Roll High School, even though I both enjoy. I, I can't talk. They're both very enjoyable to me. But I, I've seen like you know Detroit Rock City was a problem, <laughs> It got terrible reviews. Yeah. How did you feel about it?
1: You know, it had been quite a long time since I had seen either one. And so revisiting them both was interesting experience for me. I had, um, you know, had really pleasant uh, feelings towards Rock and Roll High School and I really liked it. I mean, I own a copy of both of those movies, actually. And I thought that I liked Rock and Roll High School so much more than Detroit Rock City. And then this time around, it was the opposite.
0: Oh, really? That's I didn't expect that.
1: I know, me neither. Huh. It really caught me off guard.
0: Do you like this? Because I feel like and, you don't You don't like the band too much.
1: Um, They're okay. I don't have super strong feelings either way.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan I'm of the concept. The concept to me is more interesting than the actual <laughs> music.
1: I actually do. After watching that movie, I realized that they have a lot more songs that I know and like than I realized. I don't think that I attributed Uh, A lot of the songs to them. I didn't know that they did a lot of the songs that I um, that I realized they did in the movie. So I think I do like their music more than I realized. Um, But uh, I think that I just it was just a funny movie, and um, I don't know if I just appreciated it more now. I don't know. I'm not really sure why, but maybe it was just time and. I love teen hijinks, and um, I'm a pretty hardcore Sam Huntington fan. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it's he's such pleasant. a random he's thing to likely. say, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm such a Sam Huntington fan. And everybody else is like, who's Sam Huntington?
0: <laughs> jungle
1: um, to Jungle, baby. <laughs> right? Right? Was that, what was that movie called?
0: Jungle to Jungle. Well, he's Wasn't in that. A... He, of course, Superman oh, Returns. I remember oh, him yeah. being in that. But um, what's the show, Being Human? The oh, New yeah, Ranger. he
1: was. He, yeah. he was Jimmy Olsen, right? Correct. But yeah, uh, oh, I love. I really enjoy that show. You're right, Being Human. And also, what was that movie? Other movie that he did with um, Brendan Ralph? Didn't he do another movie what with
0: was, I don't Ralph? know. Is he in Dylan Dog? Is that what you're thinking of? I don't know what else he's in with Brendan. Uh,
1: Ralph. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's it.
0: Do you remember when he was the? But, oh, he was the. Uh, oh, God, what's his name? Chris Evans. Not Chris Evans. What's the one that was in Rollerball? He was in the American Pie movies. And he was supposed to be big for like one hot minute, and then he just disappeared. Chris something. They're all named Chris now.
1: Oh, the, there's too many Chris's. You mean the one that was in? Um, just Friends. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, yes. What is that douchebag's name? Um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know.
1: Why is Chris Klein? Chris, Chris Klein. Klein.
0: Okay. Chris Klein. Uh, he's, he's
1: always a douchebag.
0: I don't know. He just comes off as kind of like an insincere, fake, kind of nice guy. I don't know if he actually is or not. But remember Sam Huntington played a parody of him in that Not Another Teen movie. And I always thought that was funny because his big thing is that stupid swoop of hair.
1: <laughs> oh, I'll have to watch that again. Anyway, Sam Huntington is in Dylan Dog, and that's what I was thinking. Okay. Of. Anyway, I don't know. He's just so likable. Oh, and fanboys. He's.
0: Is he so Fan I didn't remember that. Yeah, this is this is when yeah. I, like, we're, we're going in the opposite order of what I thought we we're gonna go. But I know. It. I, it's don't, okay. I don't care. Um, but you know, this is when Edward Furlong, like his last gasp of studio movies, where his alcoholic oh, yeah. tendencies just destroyed his career. So much potential. I thought he was gonna be huge. And
1: I know. Like I actually forgot lead. that he was even in the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's the main lead, and, and this was, like, right after Pecker. Pecker had a little bit of heat off of it, and um, American History X, you know, those two movies were the year before, so he had a little bit of heat still hmm. going, but, you know, once Detroit Rock City came out, it was done. He was just doing direct-to-video stuff. Remember that terrible Crow, like, the last Crow movie he was in, where it's set in the desert? Just, uh, Not Kinda, buying it. Yeah. I, th-
1: I think it's not worth remembering.
0: You know, the things I really like about anyway, the movie sorry, at first. Anyway, sorry,
1: yeah, I did to- I I did total go backwards, didn't I?
0: It's fine. Um, the thing that I was bothered by the last time I watched, it, I think in 2013 or 14, is there's a lot of homophobic stuff. And then this time around, I, I remember, yeah. I was like, oh, th- it's being authentic. It's not being there to yeah. like, hey, you should be a- a homophobic like these cool kids. No, it's just authentic to that behavior back then. I mean, apparently that's still going to the teenage boys just like to call each other. Uh, derogatory terms like that and so I was like, okay, I get it now and boys, especially what's the, what's the one kid's name, the big doofus one, the, uh, I gotta look this up I wasn't gonna cheat with IMDB he's the one that's in Cabin Fever, James DeMello or something like that He's probably DeBello? The, he's probably the worst of the bunch, he's the yin to uh, uh, Giuseppe Andrews, like malevolent yang, he's kind of a, uh, no, I guess Sam Huntington's probably the sweetest character
1: Yes, he is
0: but I like uh, Giuseppe's character because he's kind of like this low-key, cool, you know, nothing really offensive about him. He's like in control of the situation.
1: Do you know, have you seen anything else that he was in, Giuseppe Andrews?
0: Well, I also remember he was in Cabin Fever as well with James DiBello.
1: Oh, He's okay. like greasy okay. cop
0: with a mustache.
1: <laughs> oh, I I am... Completely and utterly disgusted by Cabin and Fever, and so I don't think I can ever watch it again. Yeah. It's so well, disgusting.
0: I'm looking through some um, of the stuff. He hasn't, here, he hasn't worked in 10 years. He last thing he did a cameo in Cabin and Fever 2, and that was it.
1: The uh, funny thing is, is that I think I told you I recently sat through um, Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place yeah, and a watched up. the whole thing because I never, I never finished it. Uh, I mean, it still has its charms, but in the last season, they bring in Giuseppe Andrews and uh, to try to, like, I don't know, uh, funk up the show, it, like, you know, make it funky and young and cool or whatever, uh-huh. but he's just, like, super bizarre and weird, and it's it's just funny because I was like, oh, I don't think I ever knew who that kid was, and I wouldn't have even thought anything of it, except for that I just watched that a couple, min- couple months ago. Huh. He was in, like, almost the whole last season.
0: Oh, wow, okay. i got to watch that show again. Um, i look at the director here, Adam Rifkin. Anyway. He had a couple movies that were kind of shitty. I mean, like The Chase with Charlie Sheen and Kirstie Swanson I didn't really care for. Um, but I was looking at what he wrote. And this is how he was able to get, like, I guess enough, you know, juice to get a Kiss movie made in 1999, of all places. Uh, he wrote Mouse Hunt and Small Soldiers.
1: Oh, I love Mouth Hunt.
0: It has some of the Absolute. zany physical humor, though he didn't write Detroit Rock City. He just directed, but you can feel like some of his influence on this movie, like especially the cinematography. You look at this movie; it's so layered. Mm-hmm. Um, and visually, it's beautiful.
1: Do you see this that he, that Adam, what R- Rifkin directed a do- documentary called Giuseppe Makes a Movie, and it's about Giuseppe Andrews trying to make a movie in 2014. No. <laughs> I'm just looking at his credits. <laughs> Can I say the thing the thing that I think about Adam Rifkin all the time?
0: What's that? Go ahead. Isn't the um
1: isn't the whole Adam Rifkin Adam Rafkin thing?
0: Oh, from isn't Action. Isn't that
1: the joke the whole the whole joke from the TV show Action?
0: Yeah, where he's like, I thought you got Adam Rifkin He goes, I thought you were asking for Alan Rafkin and he's like, No, I want Adam Rifkin And then, and then somehow they don't even get Alan Rifkin either. They get like Adam alan R- rafkin or something like that <laughs> just into like just and like okay that, paid two million dollars for what is it beverly hills gun club is what it was called i can't remember
1: <laughs> yes anyway i just re- remember more more than the guy his movies or his credits it's only his name because of an accidental like you know uh confusion oh that's so weird okay anyway you know, um Lin-Shay. there was a lot i noticed there was a Sorry,
0: I'm sorry. sorry I didn't expect you to say anything there's a little bit of a delay but I thought Lynn Shay was just magnificent in this movie.
1: Uh who's that? She, okay, she's the
0: older lady from uh something about Mary, you know that Oh was she's the, yeah, She's she,
1: his mom. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. She does
0: mostly horror movies now but for a while there she was known as like the comedy lady.
1: She did look real familiar when I uh when we, I was watching it again I thought oh gosh I have seen her uh before um certainly not from horror movies because you know I don't watch very many yeah
0: she's like in all those like Ouija she's a house kind of lady she does Ouija she does the Conjury movies oh. and uh, I think she's insidious or something like that but um, her brother is the one who started New Line Cinema and this is a New Line Cinema movie so it's a little bit of nepotism but I think she showed that she can be really funny I mean she's that sleazy landlady in uh, Kingpin that forces Woody Harrelson to have sex with her oh,
1: oh maybe that's what I remember <laughs>
0: <I'm wrong. laughs> I don't
1: know um, I noticed that there was a lot of, um, you know, special guests in Detroit Rock City.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, um, yeah. And, um, what's the porn guy's name?
0: Oh, Ron Jeremy. I forgot he was in the, this. I just watched this too.
1: Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy. Lots of people kind of earlier in their career. Um, you know, Melanie Linsky, she certainly wasn't like, an, I mean, maybe she's not a household name now, but this was kind of earlier in her career. And um, <clears throat> several other people that I was like, oh, I didn't remember you were yeah. in this. Natasha is Joe, Joe great. Flaherty. In it.
0: She, she can throw yes, some she shade. Is. <laughs> she really taught those boys what's what.
1: <laughs> she's kind of a master of the shade, really, it seems yeah. like. Um. Joe Flaherty. <laughs>
0: this is the father who gets on, like, yeah. Magic uh, Brownies or something like that.
1: <laughs> it was, like, I think Mag- Magic Mushrooms uh, okay. or something. I can't remember. Anyway, <clears throat> right? I just watched this movie. But anyway, uh, he's just – where did he get his start, like, SCTV or something? Correct, Is that yeah. his thing?
0: He's one of the few people Gosh, from SCTV that didn't really break out. Like, our generation knows him from Freaks and Geeks, but – or as the guy who yells stuff in uh, Happy Gilmore, but you look at the cast of SCTV oh, yeah. and almost all of them, you know, were huge.
1: Yeah, he's just—I mean—but whenever he shows up in stuff, he's just like, you know, it's going to be solid funny. Yeah.
0: I love the poster so. of this. This is the classic throwback to like those old Animal House posters, but it has that similarity with Rock and Roll High School too. It's one of those char- uh, posters where yes. every single character that shows up in it. Is on the poster.
1: Yes, there's like there's like a, a couple hundred something people on the
0: cover of this poster. <laughs> Take forever to do that. It's like an old Mega, uh, Mad magazine cover.
1: It is. It is very much that style, and because uh, you know, and they're slightly exaggerated, and um, I don't know. It is really fun.
0: You know, I was just. I just generally. But. The DVD of this is one of the best menus I have ever used. If I remember correctly, it's one oh. of those. Guys, I'm not even sure if you're gonna remember this. We used to go to the library, and there used to be these gigantic. It seemed like almost like uh, Laserdiscs, but they were on a cartridge, and you pop them into uh-huh. this machine. I kind of remember. And you hit, hit go, or like, and there was like a panel on the board, or whatever. It was kind of like a microfiche style machine, but it played this record video thing. And you would hit the thing forward. It goes. Is this. What's that?
1: Is this when I was learning French?
0: I I feel like. Is that how I. Well, this was in Fort Wayne. I was like five
1: years old and I was studying French when I was a little, little, little
0: kid. (laughs) Maybe. I think it was like 88. Yeah. So it wasn't. Around that time, whatever. But it has that kind of menu. It's like, hit forward, whatever, to get to the next page. You go. Shh-sh-gum-sh. Um Seriously, pop in oh, the DVD after done. Oh, i have day- to look uh, at it. I yeah. think I remember. Great menu. And the other thing that I just remembered is, I forgot. You never really experienced Kiss in the makeup, and I barely did too growing up. So we're not uh-uh. nostalgic for it. We know Kiss is a stupid hair metal band. I had that one album where they just like dressing up in heavy leather, and they start getting really grunchy, you know, like, they're trying to compete I with mean, the new guys.
1: For the most part, you're right. I didn't really have that much experience other than, I mean, of course, I always knew who they were, but mostly just thinking it was kind of silly. Um, I gotta tell you this, though. I have a coworker. worker um, She has a daughter that's, like, 10 or 9 or 10, and she is just just absolutely obsessed with Kiss, and has been for, like, the last couple of years, and wow. she... Just took her to to like the you know concert. The final tour is going to go for the next five years. Last night, (laughs) isn't it? It's just it's just so cute that she's like. Uh, like 10 years old and she's just obsessed and her mom is such a good mom that she like took her to a kids yeah. concert well, <laughs> which is
0: funny because our generation grew up with parents who are like knights uh, in Satan's service which is a big part of this plot is that they're satanic Yeah, it's like oh my god it's so tame it's nothing now
1: hmm. it really is I mean what they're sing- singing is really pretty standard
0: yeah there's a lot know? of it's ballads. Just... I, I went through most of their discography Is that the word? Discography? Mm. I think I made up a word.
1: I guess. Uh, But
0: I went through it and I was like, there's so many sappy love songs. I'm like, this isn't the kiss that everybody says condemning. (laughs) Yes.
1: See, that's that's the thing. That's when I like the kind of stuff that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they were the ones who sang the song that I have known forever.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's a lot more like, yeah, ballads and stuff than people realize.
0: They're, um, they're not
1: really that hardcore. <laughs> no,
0: they're not. Not until 92. And 92 is when they started doing like this real heavy stuff, like Unholy and stuff like that, Domino. And they were trying to compete with Megadeth and, and uh, Metallica and stuff like that. And then they realized, yeah, that sold well, but let's try this makeup thing again. And then it just blew up so big. I mean, everybody was so insanely excited about it. So when this movie came out, I think it had just peaked like Kiss Fanaticism. You know, the toys were out. There was comic books. Yeah. And the movie, I think, maybe it was a year or two late. And I don't know. Maybe Kiss was yeah. always like a cult phenomenon. It was never going to make a ton of money. But when you look and it made, what, like $5.5 in the middle of summer, that seems strange. Like, that's a real low amount of money.
1: I mean, I certainly don't remember much about when it came out. But they must have been done a piss- Poor job with the marketing of
0: this movie. Yeah, I mean, you would think a twenty million would ought to be, you know, just ought to, you know, be there just from the fans alone. So they must not have promoted very well.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think with teens and fans between the two, and the fact that it's a summer fun summer movie, between those three factors, it would have made way more money.
0: Yeah, I remember. I think this opened the same day as Dick, and both movies bombed, even though both are <laughs> incredibly enjoyable.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe people don't like period movies.
0: You know, I've noticed that. You know, a, it does seem like a lot of the 70s nostalgia movies are a niche audience. Even 80s, because I was yeah. going to say, the only wedding singer seems to be the 80s movie that really hit home. It's, it's kind of designed for television. Nostalgia, isn't, nostalgia works on a big screen if you're not actually in that period. You just have to invoke that period. You know what I mean? Like that style.
1: Ooh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I don't know. It's a shame. Whatever the reason
0: is. Yeah. The um, the one thing that I, I would take away from Rock and Roll High School is the fact that it was a decent-sized hit at the time. But then it faded away for a really long time. And I think no one was talking about it when you and I rented it. We rented about 20, maybe 22 years ago or so on VHS, introduced by Leonard Maltin, of all people, uh, who apparently was a big fan of Roger Corman for whatever reason. And we were like, this movie's actually pretty good. I wasn't really into it yet. It was further viewings that I really started digging into it. And I was like, I don't even know anything about the Ramones. I've, I've heard of them. <laughs> Here's the irony is that I went and saw them in concert, and I didn't appreciate them at all, like like the year prior. Yeah,
1: I remember you saying not-so-positive things about
0: your experience. Yeah, it was very, very fast. They didn't take a breather. I wasn't used to that aesthetic. You know, you're, you're at a concert where it's Soundgarden and Metallica who are self, you know, they're like self-indulgent. They got these huge epic songs. And the Ramones don't fuck around. They cut the fat. They just go, 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 go. And I only knew like two of their songs. And I was like, yeah. I, I don't even know if I experienced that. It was so fast. It was like a half hour and they fit like 30 songs in. And I couldn't appreciate it at the time. And I... Yeah,
1: I... I- I think there's some... Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just thinking, Like I was renting movies uh, from Hollywood Video when they first opened. So I guess I'm wrong. That was more like 2000 when we saw Rock and Roll High School. And then that's when I finally was like, Oh, That sounds more like it. Oh, I I got it now. I understand this band now. I wish I had enjoyed them four years ago.
1: Yeah. Well, I think part of it is, too, is it really depends on what you're hoping to get from your concert-going experience. For me... It's more about the, like, you know, the banter and the stories and the talking, you know, the, it's the entertainer, the entertainment part, as opposed to just being a performer.
0: Yeah, because you know, I can get the same experience between... just listening to the album.
1: That's exactly what I say. Like, I saw, I have the same exact experience when I saw Weezer, that I was just like, oh, well, like, that's a bummer. They didn't talk at all. They didn't do anything. They just played song after song. And I could have just listened to their CDs. So I think it really depends on you as a concert goer and what you're looking for. So,
0: well, there's also the self indulgence. There's sometimes, you told me Blues Traveler didn't play any of the songs you knew, and that they meandered Uh, on and on with harmonica solos that would go for like 10 minutes.
1: it, It was really, it was really painful. I mean, they did a couple songs, but mostly it was just. Um. Yeah. Let's rock out to a harmonica solo that just went on and on. And on <laughs> it's and a, they're
0: a jam band basically.
1: Yes. Exactly. And I don't really dig jam bands at yeah.
0: all. I didn't drop asses anyway. today. Could you clean this up a bit?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: The uh yeah. So rock and so, roll. I didn't know this. Uh, P. J. Souls only got paid two thousand dollars for her performance in this, and it's just. I hope she got some back end deal because that is astonishing.
1: I think I read that she spent all of her money on clothes on the clothes that she wears in the movie That's
0: just Roger Corman's such a penny pinching bastard sometimes they say they say he's such a legend yeah. and I'm like no he knew how to choose the right people that doesn't mean he's a legend just because yeah. you, you know you just have an eye for who will work for you for cheap
1: <laughs> I think he just I think a lot of it was just luck yeah because it was look, just they, dumb luck
0: There's only a small chunk of his career but, where it was actually like okay movies coming out. Just like a five-year old Yeah, that's, that's what I was going
1: to say. Yeah. Most, of his, most of his stuff's just shit. Yeah. Sorry, fans of Roger Corman. He got lucky a few times, but most of his stuff's not that great.
0: No, and I think this is like my favorite movie of his. It's it's really cheap, fun. He, he basically let the guys do whatever they want. It's directed by Alan Arkish, who had previously done a movie with Joe Dante called Hollywood Boulevard. Now, they had a bet with Roger Corman, that they could uh, make a movie for $7,000 in three days. And Roger Corman didn't believe them. What they didn't know, or what he didn't know, was that Joe Dante and Alan Arkish made a movie about movies, and like 50% of it is footage from other
1: movies. (laughs) So it says that Joe Dante uh, was an uncredited director on this and helped write the story.
0: Yeah, Alan Arkish got sick. He was told when you direct a movie, you need to, oh. need to sit a lot because you're going to get physically and emotionally exhausted. And he didn't yeah. and he got pneumonia. So he missed the last couple of days of filming. So Joe Dante agreed to step in for free. I don't know how they circumvented oh. the DGA on that one. But yeah, that's, that's what happened.
1: Hmm. That's very interesting. I liked Joe Dante quite a bit. And this was really pretty early in his, his career, obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Alan Arkish had had the potential to be a great director. He really did. But he had a couple movies that just got buried. One was called Mm -hmm. Heartbeeps, where it's, uh, oh, shit. Um, She was in The Jerk. Uh, I saw that. What's that?
1: I mean, I just saw it in the list. I was looking a little bit at his. And that was really, that was the next movie after Rock and Roll High School. Yeah,
0: it's just a really strange movie that somehow it didn't work. The studio got skittish about it, so they just dumped it. And then he did one which I really enjoy. If you love Rock and Roll High School, go find Get Crazy. It's never been beyond VHS. It's on YouTube incomplete. And it's a wild and crazy night about a New Year's Eve party thrown by Daniel Stern for this radio station. And they have Malcolm McDowell come in as this like aging punk rocker who wants a comeback. And everything that can Mm. go wrong goes wrong. But it's so much fun. I I didn't know Malcolm McDowell could sing.
1: Did I know that? Uh, no, I I don't (laughs) know that he's ever, I can't really visualize him as like, yeah, a talent.
0: Yeah, he 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 was kind of like a punk rocker, mean old, calling a British rocker. (laughs) Um,
1: But I've also only known him as like a cranky ass old man.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I think you'll ever see him as villainous roles.
1: He has not just one, but six music credits in movies. Wow, I had no idea. He, it says he performed in some movie called Long Ago Tomorrow. And I don't, I've never seen Clockwork Orange. I know. Shame on me. It says he sang in that. It's a
0: disturbing movie. He sang on The Grim Adventures. It's a disturbing. He sang
1: on the, yeah, I don't know if I want to. He sang on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. What? What? Okay,
0: (laughs) now now I have to find that episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to find that episode too. Mozart in the Jungle and then some movie called 31 a Rob Zombie film. Oh,
0: Ugh. God. I, want, I, I mean, know. five minutes into that movie. and I was like, oh, great. Another movie about white trash people don't. torturing white trash people. Awesome.
1: Don't want to know. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we know that he also can sing. Good for you, Mom. <laughs> uh, no. Okay.
0: But you know who can't <clears throat> act? The Ramones cannot act. In the...
1: <laughs> no. It's pretty rough cannot. in this one. Yeah.
0: Uh, the musical part's great. The acting part's not so much. But um, I want to say this. The greatest opening to a movie ever riff randall dancing to sheena is a punk rocker is just amazing
1: yeah riff is really a pretty adorable character really
0: she's a free character and it's like she's the person you want to be and oh crap i forgot her name day young's character you know the one with glasses uh she's who you are but riff randall's who you want to be yes
1: i completely understand that thought process
0: the um, Timothy Wait. Van Patten, one of the 9,000 Van Patten's that are out there, <laughs> is the hero, I guess, yeah. of sorts in this movie, but he's still kind of a dip. Um,
1: he's he's not a hero. He's a, he's like a hopeless love interest that doesn't really, he does end up getting like, uh, you know, a romance at the end, but he's kind of a dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's well, I'm hero.
0: he's the male protagonist, is what I should have said.
1: Yeah. He's not, yeah, he's not a hero. Riff is the hero, always.
0: I, I'm trying to remember. I feel like he quit acting and he became like a tennis pro or something. I'm going to look this up because one of the brothers is a tennis pro now, and one of the brothers is a major director like on television does a ton of stuff for uh, um, HBO. I know I was watching Sopranos episodes, and it said, directed by so-and-so Van Patten, but there's a lot of Van Patten's.
1: You're right. It said he was a former pro tennis player.
0: That's bananas. He I...
1: defeated John John McEnroe in 1981.
0: What in 81 when McEnroe was kind of in his prime?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it says.
0: That's I had no idea. Um, did you know anything about the bands they had up for uh, this movie before they chose uh, uh, the Rones? I didn't
1: know and I didn't know until I read it in the like trivia stuff, and I was just like. Oh wow, you were really like the fifth choice, yeah, or sixth. <laughs> well, the fact that it was going to
0: be Disco High first it was a huge mistake, and thank God somebody talked him out of that. It's like Disco is just around the corner from being dead. Don't do this.
1: Yeah, I think that it could have been super promising if they had if they had gone with Devo, but maybe they are to you know, have their own concept, which is why they weren't asked.
0: Yeah, I'm still shocked that could Devo... could
1: have been a really interesting movie. It,
0: it could have been, and Devo is on the soundtrack, but Devo, I'm always shocked that they never made a movie when they were at their heyday. Like, they didn't just do, like, a cheapo kind yeah. of, you know, a driving kind of movie, but with their aesthetic. Like, they could have shot a movie for, like, $250,000. Yeah, they are in a movie that's very rare called Human Highway. that was directed, written and directed, starring Neil Young. It's a musical. It's very strange.
1: Hmm. I'm not really that surprised because I give the the. I don't really know that much about Neil Young, but he seems kind of odd to me. So. Yeah.
0: He was a huge fan of Devo, and he made a, a new wave album that completely tanked. <laughs> Everybody was angry with him for doing it. Alice Cooper did the same thing. Alice Cooper, not a lot of people remember for like three albums in the early '80s when he was really on coke. Did did like these weird experimental new wave albums, and nobody remembers them. One of them's actually really good.
1: Well, you know, people don't want to remember the stuff that wasn't great. So.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised Alice Cooper oh. hasn't made a movie either, because he seems like he would do a fun uh, movie around his persona.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. They should have done like oh, Tales in the Crypt, but
0: with him, yes. like like one of those hosting kind of shows.
1: Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah,
0: he can that's still like do it. Idea. That makeup. That's the thing about Kiss. I don't understand why they're retiring is just replace it with that guys in the makeup. It's the makeup that we care about. Everybody hates Gene Simmons.
1: <laughs> oh, my. That's that's a big statement.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's a, he's the a world's biggest asshole. I, I can just see. Like, just keep the makeup, keep the sound, and uh, just make it basically a cheaper cover band. Like, don't charge $100 for a tickets. Charge 25 and give them that big experience. Mm, it could work. Uh, you know what's funny is I remember so just here, now they mentioned disco a lot in Detroit rock city and he says kiss will never do a uh-huh. disco song, which is funny because the next year they would have a huge disco song. I was made for love. I'm pretty
1: you. sure that's the whole, I'm pretty sure that's the whole point of the joke. Yeah. In the movie.
0: Well, that's why they did that in freaks and geeks too, that's, didn't they? Even kiss with disco. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, they did. Um, one of the, The odd things about this movie was, um, I mean, not about the movie itself, but a slight connection to the movies. You remember that weird, not very well-known musical called um, Shake, Rattle, and Roll with Renee Zellweger and, like, John Doe?
0: Okay, yeah. So it was like one of the Showtime movies when they were trying to do the retro-style 50s movies?
1: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I I don't I've seen it long 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 ago but one of the you know f- trivia things that I saw in here is that like PJ Souls and maybe her friend the lady who plays oh, yeah, her like, and then I think I think and then like the principal of the school they all make appearances in that movie Shake rattle and roll as the characters What
0: the characters from like Rockwell High School show up.
1: That's, that's what it says. I don't remember it, so I'm going to have to go back and watch it. Um, but why would they do that if it was like, it was supposed to be a totally different time period. It was supposed to take place in the 50s. I don't know any other connection to to the story or why, or, you know, directors or anything yeah. like that. Well, the director's but the same, they isn't it? all showed up.
0: Isn't it Alan Arkish, the director I of that one?
1: I don't know. That's what I'm saying. But like, there's Kate Kate Rambeau and Toger, and, yeah, they all use all the same names. Huh. So that's something curious. To, Alternate to try timelines. To I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? It's very strange. Maybe he did direct it, but still it doesn't explain anything. No.
0: Do you think it's weird how rock and roll was demonized for decades? Just like now rock and roll is not even a thing. It's not even on anybody's radar anymore. It's a dead genre.
1: I do think it's a weird thing. Like, I remember mom telling me that, like, she couldn't listen to the
0: Beatles.
1: Well, I think she couldn't listen to Carly
0: like... Simon because she wore jeans. <laughs> so that's just a weird thing. That well, you that's just, like, we never experienced that.
1: yeah you know what you're right Uh, alan arkish did direct that shake rattle and roll but it still does not explain anything
0: (laughs) i mean it's the parents they just kept the names (laughs) i don't know i can't i can't imagine mrs togar ever having children period does she die does she die at the end of this movie when the school blows up i can't remember i don't i don't think so Because I'm trying to remember how she shows up in the sequel, if she's the same person or not. I feel like she had, like, a robot hand or something ridiculous, too.
1: Maybe she got hurt in the explosion, but I don't remember her dying. Uh, Also, she reminds me of the principal in something else. I don't know.
0: She always seems like a really stern, like, but also, like, I feel like she's a real ass kicker in in, in real life. Like, she doesn't take shit from anybody.
1: (laughs) Well, I wouldn't want to run into her on the street, even at however old she is now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one thing I want to say is, uh, what's the one character that Clint Howard plays? Because I always thought, uh Rick and Bauer or something like that, um, he's like the the go-to oh, guy yeah. for any sort of hookup that you want. There was... Uh, Eagle Bauer. Eagle Bauer. I always thought his character was really like interesting. Like the, He's basically like the Mafia Don guy. Like He always has... Uh, he's like a Ferris – no, I don't want to say Mafia Don character, but he always seemed like the hookup for stuff that didn't seem like it was on the up and up. He was like a precursor to Ferris Bueller but sleazier.
1: Yeah, and also apparently the boy's bathroom was a TARDIS because he. you go into a stall oh, and then right, suddenly yeah. it's this huge spacious office where he conducted his business and had a secretary.
0: I forgot about that, yeah. Which is I, should, just a I, I should have watched strange. this again. I thought I would remember it because I had seen it so many times you know, 10, 15 years ago. Do you remember uh, Ramones were not that well appreciated? It was always about the Sex Pistols and like the Clash and stuff like that. And I was asking somebody about it. I was like, why don't people appreciate the Ramones? Goes, They're not really punk, man. They're too melodic. And I was like, I don't. Understand how that? If you listen to the, they're
1: too melodic, right? That's what
0: someone said. <laughs> what My friend Carlos said that he goes their songs are too. There's too much harmony and it was like the riffs are old school. I'm like, I think what they did was take something you were familiar with, like old Beach Boy kind of style songs, and but they made the subject matter really bizarre, like beat on the brat and blitzkrieg mm-hmm. bra a bop and I want to sniff glue and stuff like that. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, teenage lobotomy and stuff like that. It's really dark, but with like a rhythm.
1: With a nice beat to it. Yeah, it's like
0: a way of making it that was pleasant to the ear, but yeah, if you really sit there and listen to it, you go, this is kind of twisted. That's the goof that they were playing on everybody.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I couldn't tell you a single song by Sex Pistols.
0: Oh, uh, well, uh, Anarchy in the UK is our big one, I think. and uh, yeah. I, I don't mean, know. it
1: might be because of the time period I was born. True,
0: yeah, it wasn't really part of your thing. I only know it because I was just like, hey, I'll, I'll get one of their albums, see what this is like. I'm like, they all suck. And apparently that was part of the joke, too, is that they were fucking terrible.
1: <laughs> but I think, I think that the Ramones had more staying power because they really did write better songs. Oh, yeah,
0: well, I mean, they had like 15 albums. They were together for 20-something years. Sex Pistols blew up after, I think, one album. Mm-hmm. Not meant to last. Um, yeah. Damn it! One other thing I was gonna say—it reminded me of something in both movies, and I have lost it. Uh, I'll remember like five minutes after this, and like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it shows you that you don't need a big budget to have lots of entertainment. This is where it works in uh, Roger Corman's uh, favor—is it had high energy, it had like just like these little things that a normal movie, a mainstream movie, wouldn't do. I mean, the giant rat, for Pete's sake! What, what is that about?
1: Oh, I know! I definitely did not remember that part, and I was just like, "Oh, this is this is goofy." Yeah, that but was a okay.
0: that was a costume by Rob Bottin, who for a while was like one of the hottest special effects guys in the world. If you don't know who Rob Bottin is, uh, he created the special effects for The Howling, um, and his masterpiece is The Thing. Hmm. Oh, no, in the RoboCop. RoboCop would be probably his most infamous uh, creation. I don't I have that guy. Oh, got it. I get the feeling a lot of those guys experimented with chemicals and they all have cancer now. I mean, that's kind of a joke, but it seems like you can't be around that kind of hazardous material and not have some sort of side effects.
1: Yeah, it's quite possible. I'm sure that's, that's pretty dangerous.
0: Well, I don't know if there's okay, anything I else Okay, I feel to say. like that
1: we're running out of quality conversation. We are. Right?
0: Well, it's almost 40 minutes, so that's what I said. We're going to stop it. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to say before we go?
1: No. All
0: right. But
1: I definitely... I definitely think both of these movies are underappreciated and definitely worth revisiting if you've seen it or watching it for you know watch it if you've never seen it at all. They're both really enjoyable.
0: Oh, now I remembered really quickly. Who had the worst jerks? Those two sleazy weasels in Rock and Roll High School, or that little kid in Detroit Rock City? You've got spunk.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say the two jerks because dang, they were really crude. Yes. And that kind of the kind of stuff that they did wouldn't fly now. No. Uh, is it something about sure? like a they hall
0: get... pass and they go to search one of the girls and it's like ill, ew. ew.
1: Yeah, they were just like feeling people up and I was just like, they would get a beat down now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was totally disgusting. Their yeah. behavior was awful.
0: All right, so those are our two choices for this week. Uh, seriously, check them out. They're a lot of fun. Sometimes you can find them on the streaming services. I believe uh, Shot Factory now owns Rock and Roll High School, so you can find it free on their website. And I believe Detroit Rock City is now playing on Voodoo. Of course, by the time you get to this episode, they might be gone. I don't know. But thank you again for another great episode, Mindy.
1: Thank you for continuing to allow me to come back. and annoy you. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: at least you know how to discuss movies. Every once in a while, i have somebody on, and I'm like... Pfft. That was a mistake. <laughs> wow. Well, like, can I, I, would come say, on I like I
1: like this I like the sound of my own voice, so uh, I'll keep coming back as yeah. long as you let me.
0: Well, we are we already have another one <laughs> planned. We're going to do two dark musicals: *Cannibal* the musical and uh, *Reefer Madness*. I think that's what we pared it down to, right? We're not we're doing two more than two. I can't remember.
1: Uh, to be discussed. Yeah, I threw a lot at her.
0: I me. do this. I I'll, I'll say, hey, let's discuss this, and I'm like a list of twelve movies. She's like, oh, dear God.
1: <laughs> well, it just takes me a while. I'm busy.
0: Yeah, well, I am too. But apparently, this is what I fill my life with. Um, you have an, a real life. It's totally life. fine. Yeah.